Hello, and welcome to the Totally Clinical podcast, brought to you by Techro. Totally Clinical is a deep dive into the freshest trends, big time challenges, and most excellent triumphs of clinical trials. I'm Hannah, your host. Join me as I chat with industry experts, trailblazers, thought leaders, and most importantly, the people benefiting from clinical research. So tune in, settle back, and don't touch that dial. It's time to get totally clinical. This week, I'm joined by Peter Gray, Chairman of the Board of Techro. Peter has an extensive 40-year career history, working at a senior executive level, including 30 years in the pharmaceutical services industry. An ex-CEO of Icon, Peter has a deep understanding of the challenges of the clinical trial industry. During this podcast, we discuss why COVID has been good for clinical trials, the challenges of clinical research in major hospitals and academic research centers, why decentralized trials are not necessarily the panacea some people believe them to be, and how a warning letter from the FDA prompted him to passionately engage with Techro. Thank you so much for joining me today, Peter. You have been involved with Techro since the company's inception, and there's quite a story behind why you were initially inspired to join Techro. Could you elaborate on this? I'm a great believer that often our our best lessons are learned from failure. And as you alluded to in your introduction there, our the, the failure that uh, I learned a lot from was a warning letter from the FDA, probably about 14 years ago, where it arose from a, a investigator site that had not conducted the, the procedures in a trial uh, appropriately, particularly in relation to the handling of a complex study drug. The net result was that the patients recruited at that site were excluded from the study analysis, which had some fairly significant consequences. Arising from that experience, we did a complete review of our quality control and quality assurance processes. And one of the outcomes of that review was the identification of a company that had developed tools for training investigator sites on GCP and on the specific procedures for given clinical trials and had a tool that was available to the sites during the trial to instruct them on the procedures that needed to be conducted on a day-by-day, patient-visit-by-patient-visit basis. And we acquired that company. We implemented its tools across our organization with the goal of enhancing quality and ensuring that quality at site and in our own operations uh, would be as good as they possibly could be. Rolled forward eight or nine years, and I've left Icon, I've retired, and the founders of that original company have founded a new company using today's technology, smartphones and so on, to take the idea behind that that original concept several steps further. Obviously, the lesson that I learned from the trauma of a warning letter was still deep in my psyche. And when they approached me to ask me, would I, would I chair Techro, as they had named it, I was an enthusiastic participant. Because again, I so profoundly believe that quality is essential in clinical research, and yet making clinical research as accessible as possible for investigators, investigator sites, and patients is essential for the advancement of human health. 
that's where I see TechRow as being placed. It's a, a very unique set of tools that can only enhance the quality and the ease of participation for sites in clinical research and the quality of how they do that. That's quite a story you have there. I imagine that after many years of experience working in the industry, you must have things that have really stood out to you in terms of industry changes you've seen during your career. Yeah, you make me feel old now when I think of that because it goes back a long way. But I could say that there's so many things that have changed in the clinical research sphere in my time in the industry and, and since I left the industry. Globalization was only just beginning. So the conduct of multinational clinical trials was a fairly new concept when I first joined the industry. Outsourcing by pharma companies of the conduct of clinical trials was again in its infancy. Trials were less complex than they are today. So the complexity of trials has increased incredibly significantly over the last 30 years. Most of the trials that were done back then were for small molecules. Biologics are now the dominant feature of clinical research. Oncology and rare diseases were rare beasts in clinical research at that time. They now dominate how the, uh, the trials that are conducted, that's where all the focus is these days. And of course, technology was little used. The industry was totally paper-based. And even though in the year 2000, 1999, 2000, during the what was then called the dot-com boom, there were great predictions of how technology would transform the industry. It has taken COVID-19 to actually push the industry to adopt technology to a much greater extent. And I think we are truly seeing the impact of technology in the industry today, where it has only been talked about over the previous 20 or 30 years. So there's been a lot of change and all of it making clinical research much more interesting, but also much more complex, which is why tools such as Tecro are so essential. You mentioned the COVID-19 pandemic, and despite the horrors and disruption that it wrought, you do believe it's been a positive for clinical research. Why is this? I think there are several layers of answer to that question. First of all, one of the great benefits is it has made the general population much more aware of the need for and the importance of clinical research. We were getting news reports on a regular basis about when vaccines might be available. And we started out with people being skeptical as to how optimistic the predictions were in relation to how quickly vaccines would be available. And then we were getting updates about the progress of different products in the clinical research arena. So the general population became aware of how important trials are. They were aware of how long they take. And that increase in awareness, I think, is a real positive in the long term in helping people to understand why clinical research is conducted and hopefully encouraging more people to be willing to participate in clinical research, recognizing that it is a huge plus and a huge benefit to the enhancement of human health. Now, vaccine scepticism is something that you believe has really thrown the spotlight on the scientific method, isn't it? The number of conversations I had with people who I believe to be pretty sophisticated, who said, oh, I wouldn't be sure about, about having that vaccine. I don't really know where it's come from and I don't really know what's in it. And my response used to be, well, you take aspirin, do you? Do you take paracetamol? Do you know what's in that? Do you, you, know, do you understand that? And the, the, the response was that they trusted those things 
because they've been around for a long time. The skeptics force us in the industry to recognize that we need to not only produce valid data, but to make sure that we can articulate the work that we've done, the reasons why it's done, and the robustness of the data that we are delivering. So again, it's raised awareness in the human population, in the general population, in clinical research, and it's raised awareness of how scientific method is so important uh, as a background to the conduct of that, uh, of that research. Another area that I feel was really highlighted by the pandemic was just how key technology is to keep trials running during emergency conditions. The pandemic illustrated how important the conduct of clinical research is, and particularly the rapid conduct of clinical research. For, for non-vaccine trials, there were a lot of delays caused by the fact that old processes did not lend themselves to patients continuing in trials when they could not visit their doctors, when they couldn't get into hospitals and so on. And that heightened people's recognition that we needed to use technology to overcome the barriers that COVID was causing. So whether it was telemedicine, whether it was remote monitoring of investigator sites or various other technological, not particularly advanced technological tools, but technological tools that could be used to overcome the barriers that COVID was creating has led to the industry's mind being opened up to the use of technology and the recognition that clinical research can be conducted in a more efficient, less paper-based way than has heretofore been the case. That's a huge positive because I think it will accelerate the conduct of trials. I think it would also make it easier for patients to participate in trials in the future. And I think it will also make it easier for investigators and investigator sites to participate in trials in the future. So COVID obviously has been very disruptive to our lives, but has brought a number of positives in the arena of clinical research and the advancement of human health. Yes, the pandemic has certainly put technology on the map industry-wise. Now, I know that you have travelled considerably and witnessed how trials operate all over the world. Are there any insights that particularly stand out for you? And if so, why? I'll give you an anecdote of one particular visit I made about 15 years ago to a major hospital in uh, Eastern Europe. This was a former Soviet-era hospital where, under their great centralised planning, the hospital specialised in only one disease, and all of the patients with that disease came from hundreds of miles around to be treated there. As a result, for sponsors, the hospital was a very attractive location for clinical trials in that specialty. For the hospital, participation in clinical trials was a great incremental revenue source in what was an underfunded health system. While for patients in that country, access to free care and modern medicines was a strong incentive for participation. The net result was a very large number of trials being conducted simultaneously in that hospital. When I visited, I recall the Clinical Study Coordination Centre being a very large room filled with bookshelves on which rested hundreds of lever arch files representing the study documents for multiple, multiple trials. And I was struck by the impossibility 
for the study nurses or investigators being able to know all of the detail of each trial and the likelihood of errors either in procedures or in the inclusion or exclusion criteria decisions. At the time, I didn't have a solution, but I could see the problem. If I then roll you forward 12 years and one of Tecro's investors was once an investigator in a major US East Coast academic research center, and he speaks with passion about encountering the very same challenges in the US, multiple trials being conducted in the hospital and treating physicians needing to know in the moments that they're with the patient what trials were ongoing at the hospital and what the inclusion or exclusion criteria were or what procedures were to be conducted on the patient on that visit. His fund was a very early investor in Tecro as he passionately believes that Tecro solves that challenge. So to go back to your question, I've witnessed how trials operate around the world. Everyone wants as many sites as possible to participate in trials, because that way clinical trials will be conducted faster, and that way better medicines and treatments for diseases that aren't currently treated will be brought to market faster. So more sites and more patients participating in trials has a very substantial knock-on benefit, again, in human health. So finding ways of having more sites participate in trials and finding ways of eliminating errors that they might make or finding ways of eliminating it being easier for the doctor to say, oh, I don't know whether this patient will fit in this trial or not. I haven't got time to go and check, so I won't enroll them in this study. Those, those, those are the challenges of getting patients into clinical trials. And anything we can do to alleviate those challenges it is a positive. And again, that's where I believe Tecro can be a great boom to the conduct of clinical research, because at the physician's fingertips is the information he or she needs in the moment that a patient sits in front of them in order to make the right decisions. So from what you were saying just there, it seems like this really is a, an international issue. Um, if we think of the example of the Eastern European hospital earlier, this is just a small illustration of the globalization of clinical research are there any particular challenges to multinational trials? And do current geopolitical events threaten what has been developed over the last 30 years? The holy grail of clinical research is rapid, high-quality patient recruitment. That is what drove globalization initially. Then came orphan drugs, which by their nature have much fewer potential patients, which necessitates spreading the recruitment net much wider. As a result, multinational studies are here to stay. Geopolitics may alter some of the locations that are used, and God knows we, we know that today, but that will only drive more activity in other regions because the quest for the right patients in a particular disease will go on and on. A focus of location may change, but the search for locations will not, will not end. Again, technology will be a, a very important enabler of this. And Tecro has the potential of being the leading or a leading enabler. Think about it. If you're an investigator in Eastern Europe or in Asia or in South America, having the protocol literally at your fingertips and being able to communicate instantly 
with the CRA or the medical staff of the sponsor relating to your queries or clarifications. It just makes it so much easier to participate in a clinical trial, much easier to adhere to the protocol, and it becomes much more likely, having that experience, that you will do so again and again, which means you become an experienced site that sponsors and CROs can rely on in the future. One of the challenges of globalization is that a lot of the investigators participating in trials, English is not their native language. And yet a lot of clinical research and most protocols uh, in clinical trials are written in English. Having a tool like Tecro where you can search for the right section of the protocol and get the answer on your smartphone in a moment. Be able to send a question, not again, not in your native language. So you've got the time to compose the question. And then when you get the answer back, you've got the time to absorb what it means. Maybe it seems obvious. Maybe it seems ABC-ish, but they are challenges that every investigator faces. Now on to a bit of a different topic. Uh, sustainability isn't necessarily a word that one immediately associates with clinical trials. But if we think about how technology is enabling the shift towards paperless trials and also streamlining resources, we can see how the industry is moving in a greener direction. What are your thoughts on this? Again, I think technology enables this. And therefore, while COVID may have created an impetus, to the adoption of technology in an industry that has always been very conservative. I think the green agenda will also create pressure for the use of technology to reduce the carbon footprint, if I can use the cliche. Using technology for telemedicine, for consultations with patients, when you don't need the patient to be in New York, the doctor doesn't need the patient to be in their office. When the monitor doesn't need to go to the doctor's site every time, but can, again, using technology, whether tech row or whether just video conferencing, can conduct the procedures they need to conduct on a monitoring visit remotely. There are so many different ways in which technology can reduce the, the burden on the environment and that clinical trials can cause if you use the old methodology paper, people traveling backwards and forwards all the time to do everything and visiting every site all of the time. Unnecessary if you use technology and you use analysis, data analysis and various other tools that facilitate infrequent. It doesn't eliminate the need for people to visit or to go to a location from time to time. But the, the frequency with which that is required can certainly be massively reduced. So if we consider the future of trials, uh, what current trends do you see continuing and which do you see fading away? Get your crystal ball out. <laughs> There's certainly a lot of talk at the moment about decentralised clinical trials. And at its extreme, people seem to imagine a world where sites are no longer necessary and patients can participate in clinical trials remotely. I'm not sure if that's happening in any instance today. And if it is, I suspect it's very rare. So I'm not sure about trends that are fading away, but the talk trend of that, I think, will fade away. Because the reality of clinical research is, as I said earlier, doctors are treating patients for illnesses. And doctors need to see their patients 
not maybe every single time, but doctors need to see their patients in order to treat them adequately, in order to understand the progression of their condition and to understand how psychologically they are managing in the environment that they are in. So one of the trends that I think will diminish is the talk of decentralized trials. I think the likely future is of a hybrid model, maybe a little like I spoke about in relation to the to the conduct of clinical trials themselves. Visits will still be needed. They may be less frequent, but there will continue to be a need for involvement by investigator physicians, and there will continue to be a need for some element of uh, site visits by the patient to the investigator site. What are your thoughts on the challenges of remote working for both staff and patients? I was at a board meeting where we as a board were meeting for the first time in over a year face to face. And we were talking about the changes in work practices that have emerged again as a result of, of COVID. And there were different views around the table about whether remote working is here to stay or whether a hybrid is going to be the model for the future or whether in, in, in time, remote working will become less and less acceptable, both for employees and employers, and we'll be back to a model much closer to where we were before COVID in terms of people going to the office. There were quite different views on that. But a, a theme that came out in everyone's comments was that a totally remote working model was leading to higher staff turnover and leading to challenges in maintaining a company culture and having people feel a part of something as opposed to a job that they log into every day. And so the conversation came around to a recognition that there's a really important part of relationships at work that are to do with personal contact and the need for people to actually have personal interaction, face-to-face interaction, to make them feel truly a part of, of an organization, a part of something that they want to be a part of. Staying on the topic of the future, do you have any thoughts on CROs and their business models and how do you see them changing, if at all? Earlier, I referred to the fact that when I joined the industry, outsourcing to CROs was in its infancy. And obviously that has changed dramatically over the last 20 or 30 years. And CROs are now an integral part of the ecosystem of the pharmaceutical industry and and clinical research in particular. Again, because of the conservatism of the industry, the business model of CROs has been slow to evolve, as was the business model of the pharma companies before them in the conduct of clinical research. And that wasn't because there was an inertia among the industry or among CROs. I think it was largely driven by a conservatism at the regulatory level that made pharma companies and therefore their agents, the CROs, very reluctant to seek to be innovative in the way in which clinical trials were conducted, simply because the risk was that the data would not be accepted by the regulatory agencies, if not collected in the conventional way. So CROs business models need to change as regulators' perception of what is appropriate in the conduct of clinical research needs to change. And again, we're circling back to COVID, but 
COVID has given an impetus to regulators to see that things can be done differently and need to be done differently in order to advance human health. And as a result, I think CRO's business models will change. One of the biggest challenges trials have is recruitment. How do you think technology can help to improve this? One of the features of clinical trials for years and years and years has been, despite the best efforts of industry, best efforts of feasibility studies before the study starts, 30% of investigator sites, give or take, fail to recruit a patient in a given clinical trial. So one goes to all of the expense of identifying sites who have, who apparently have the right patients, investing in getting regulatory approval for that site, getting ethics committee approval for that site, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you set up the site and then they don't recruit a patient. Monitors have to visit them. And so, so there's an enormous expense involved in putting sites in place. And if they don't recruit a patient, then your return on investment is zero. In fact, it's negative. TechRoll is a tool whereby immediately you get a sense of, and the sponsor gets a sense of whether that site is engaged in the trial. If they never turn on TechRoll and never look at it from the moment that they're given access to TechRoll, and that says, is this site really interested in this trial? If they are recruiting patients, but they are not querying the protocol or the documents on TechRoll, does that raise a question about, is this site actually doing a quality job? Are they, are they conducting the correct procedures? So the signals that TechRow gives in relation to a site's engagement with the trial come from the very first moment that they are given access to TechRow. And if they're not going to recruit patients, you're going to see very quickly that this site doesn't seem to be engaged. And therefore, you can make a change. And therefore, you can accelerate the, the trajectory of your trial by, by wrapping them out and bringing in other sites instead, or changing the focus, or motivating them more, or whatever steps you, you need to take or want to take to change that trajectory. I think the access to real-time, immediate, day-by-day data as to what a site is doing and whether the site is engaged with the trial is enormously powerful and has the potential to accelerate trial completion and reduce cost. And finally, as chairman of the board of TechRow, what are you most excited about in terms of the company's trajectory? Going back to you know, an earlier question, and you asked me, why did I get involved with TechRow? I was excited at the very outset by the fact that here was a solution using the ubiquitous smartphone to make physician-patient-sponsor interactions as seamless as possible. And earlier, I alluded to the fact that doctors don't want to be playing with technology when they're treating patients. They want to be treating patients. And so the less intrusive technology is into the patient-physician relationship, the better. What I'm excited about in TechRo is because we all are used to having smartphones in our hands, because patients are used to seeing everybody with a smartphone in their hands. If their doctor happens to be sitting with them and has a smartphone and is just tapping something into the smartphone as he's talking to the patient, 
that is not going to be unsettling for the patient in the same way as if the doctor swiveled around in his chair and looked at his computer screen and tapped on a keyboard and then swiveled back to the patient would be intrusive to, to the patient-doctor relationship. So I would think what Tecro is doing and what Tecro has done is enabled the physician to ensure that they're doing the right things, be able to ask the right questions, to be able to gather the right information, and at the same time, concentrate on their primary task, which is to treat the patient who's sitting in front of them at that given moment. That's from the physician perspective. Meanwhile, in the background, for the sponsor of the clinical trial, having the comfort of knowing that every physician participating in the trial or every study nurse participating in the trial or every CRA who's overseeing and monitoring the trial has at their fingertips all of the information about the trial and how it should be conducted at any moment in time. And if there's a question that can't be answered from the study documents that are available at their fingertips, that they can rapidly get that answer from the CRA or from the medical staff and the sponsor. That's hugely powerful. And that isn't available anywhere else. It's a unique capability that I believe will help to transform clinical research, will help to open up more physician sites, will help to accelerate patient recruitment, and at the same time, will ensure that the data that is delivered is of the highest quality. And that's your dose of Totally Clinical. You can download our podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Please subscribe and leave a rating and review so more people can find the show. See you on your next visit. And remember to bring your friends. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.